0: Three point range. We are back. This is Mike Berardino joined as always by the scout as the trade deadline creeps closer. The scout, Kimball Crosley, who will not talk baseball, most likely. And uh, the professor, Tim Cruthers, who will lead us off.
1: Well, thanks, guys. Uh, this uh, is an interesting week in in the sense that uh, two of the three-point Rangers actually w- were in the same stadium together a rare moment uh, Kim mm-hmm. and I shared a, uh, a game at Durham Bulls Athletic Park this week and uh, neither of us have any uh, any baseball related points so I guess there wasn't anything that really came from that but um, this 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 uh, episode is being is being taped for those of you who might be wondering during the uh, during Game Six of the NBA championship, and while while we've discussed how many times uh, on this show that uh, Mike and I couldn't care less about the NBA, um, that uh, it does bring up an interesting moment to make make my point, which is one of my great great pet peeves in all of sports, and that is as I, as I was driving around today, I was listening listening to some sports radio on the way to get my uh my my bojangles and uh <laughs> and uh I I uh heard a pundit, a talking head, um refer to this game as we as most of us, most of our audience probably knows going into this game, the Bucks were up three two with a chance chance to clinch it tonight. And uh, I actually heard a pundit say that this this was a a must-win game for the Bucks. Now, do if you do the math, uh, I think you you could argue that this is not not a must-win game for the Bucks. Um, if they were to lose the game, it would be three-three. They could go back to Phoenix and potentially win. The argument, I guess, being that this this being the last game in in Milwaukee, that perhaps this was a this was a must game in some must-win game in some way for the Bucks, which is just part and parcel to my to my pet peeve it is a must win game for the suns I, I i cannot deny that it is an absolute must win game <laughs> for the suns if the suns don't win the game the series is over that is a must win anything else is not a must win if it's if, if we are down to the last game of the season and you and if you are to lose that game then your season is over that is a must-win. I mean, playing kind of for a championship, obviously. That is a must-win. There is no other scenario in which this is a must-win, and, and this is cre- this has creeped into so many different sports. I, I mean, it, it struck me as I was watching the Open Championship this weekend that in the final round, they're they're talking about, and you know, commentators just love to jump the gun and say oh, this is a must-make putt. You know, somebody, somebody standing on the 13th green, and, yeah, it's a big putt. You know, it would be really helpful if the guy were to sink it. But <laughs> it is not a must-make putt. The, you know, you you got, let's say this guy's in second place, and, and he's three shots back, and and these and commentators are just so quick to say, if he doesn't make this putt, it's over. This is a must-make putt. Well, no it's not because the leader could shoot a 15 on the next hole and this guy could be up by seven strokes. This is absolutely ridiculous. And it, it, it really, it, it makes me crazy. It has infected every sport, every commentator, every every commentator wants to jump the gun now and and declare that this, as if it makes them seem somehow smarter, that this tournament, this event, this this basketball, football, baseball game, you have, what have you, is over if this particular mo- if, if this if there's not no success at this particular moment and the truth is as we as uh, as i started stated at the top there is only one must win and that is the situation that the phoenix suns are in right now as we speak and i don't know whether whether you all have noticed this but this is just this is just something that for years has driven me absolutely crazy listening to listening to um, announcers over over time Um, and I'm just, yeah, I was just curious that, you know, as we, as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about tonight and uh, I heard them, heard this, this absurd must win statement for the Bucks tonight, it just, it just set me off again. So what do y'all think?
2: Well, first of all, what a great point. And it reminds me that to our listeners, this is a must listen podcast. If you're going to listen to any of our podcasts, (laughs) this is the one, um, but I I wondered, Tim, if did did not your radio guy say this is literally a must-win game for the Bucks? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: that that they, is the extension of my pet peeve. Yes, yes. yes. when and, something is literal, that it that it that really isn't literal. that, <laughs> that, just, that So just makes it even worse. Yes,
2: I I don't know if it's just announcers don't know what else to say, but it does it does remind me of you know our forefathers, the sports reporters on ESPN, which which all our young listeners probably don't remember, but, you know, one of the, the first talking heads uh, sports shows. And uh, I used to always joke about how in a game, in a series, like we have a seven game series, whether it's baseball, basketball, whatever. Um, they would love to say like, it's 2-1. You know, I think and this makes, it's 2-1. Game four is a huge game, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if, if they lose, then game five is an even bigger game. It's an even bigger, thing. and you know what, <laughs> if, if it's tied, you know what, that's it, and he's like, no, no, really, this is how it works, and it's just, I don't know if they just can't talk about the nuts and bolts or what, which, you know, you'll see when you get to my point, um, that I, I try and, uh, I'll try and get our listeners to enjoy, but yeah, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't agree with you more, <laughs> there, I just did it, I just did it.
0: <laughs> oh. I, I, I guess it's the, the the rush to judgment the 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 desperate attempt to get eyeballs and and ears and rating points uh, in your direction there's all that and it, it, I've said this before and I'll, uh, I'll be off a little bit but I, and I and I just am just just googling this because this is the preparation I like to do but um, <laughs> you know there really was only one truly must win contest. Throughout the years, and that was any time the Mayans got together and played an early <laughs> form of basketball, because the uh, losers didn't walk; the losers were executed. So that was that was the and that game I, I'm seeing here was a form of that. We have belief that uh, uh, it may have been it may have crept as far north as Arizona. So the game was actually played. Uh, now those were must-win games in Arizona, but uh, going back to Phoenix or whatever. You know, so what? It's it's uh, it's the NBA, and uh, and uh, there plenty of people who have come back from three one, three two. You you win there. You win. You won on their court. They win on yours. Uh, it's just about um, uh, attention grabbing and trying to mend. The other problem with it is people make these bold statements, and even in the social media era now, more than a decade into the social media era, there's just not very much accountability. There's just not very much receipt showing or self uh you know people just taking personal accountability for their ridiculous statements when they come back to blow up in their face and and it's just too easy for people to pretend they never said that or they didn't remember saying it and of course uh it can be found but uh, most people don't bother to do it but anyways that's I guess uh, they should,
2: what they should do is if they, if they say it's must win for the bucks yeah. and the bucks lose they say and viewers, no need to turn into game. Tune into Game Seven. It's
0: <laughs> <That's> right. It's <laughs> it's over. It's you know uh, now with the putt thing. I do you know, golf being such a momentum sport. It seems like when you're especially you know it, it, it's not match play, but often it feels like it's uh, mano a mano and and uh, confidence levels uh, ebb and flow and. I'm okay when they say it feels like a must-make because of you know the guy's game is starting to slide or the woman's game is starting to slide away from him or a couple of bogeys in a row. This feels like a must-make, but if you just say flat out you're just de- definitively declaring that it's all over if they make it, that Tim is absolutely right. That is that should be banned. But uh, feels like is different. I think you got to give yourself It's interesting that you bring
1: it. that up because I I was having a discussion you know doing. My part of my monster, my monster preparation for our <laughs> for our podcast tonight. I was talking this over with my son, my re, head of research, and he brought up the same point when I mentioned the open. He said, um, "You know, what, a, what what would then what would you call it if there's a huge putt, you know, toward the end of a round, but it obviously isn't a must make." And I would and and Mike's point I think is a fair one. I think you could you could say that. I mean, that is an important putt. And golf, being a momentum sport, you're right. It's often there are there are often putts not on the 18th green that uh, that are very pivotal for the for the way that a tournament's going to wind up. However, it is not a must make putt. And the the a must make putt is when a guy is standing on the 18th green and he's and he's a shot back and he's putting for birdie. And if he doesn't make it, he's not going to win this win this tournament. That's a must make putt you talk about the Mayans in Arizona God knows where all that came from but whatever <laughs> Google uh, but but I'll say this that in Arizona uh, in game seven should there be one that is a must-win game for both teams Thank there you. you go that's the Thank bottom you. line that's and there is no there has not there has not been another must-win game for the bucks all year long unless they were down against the their backs against the wall earlier, as you know, I don't pay attention to the NBA, so I don't know, but if, if their backs were against the wall earlier in the, in the playoffs with one game that they had to win, that's a must win game and they will definitely have one in Phoenix. Should the, should we go to a game seven and game seven is always a must win for both teams.
0: All right. I'll accept that. Uh, right. Let's uh, let's move on to point number two. This will come uh This will not have anything to do with baseball as the trade deadline approaches, unless we can trick him into saying something. Uh, What do you got, scout boy?
2: Well, we know, obviously, how much uh, these guys care about Game 6 of the NBA Finals, uh, because, as Tim said, we are taping during it. Um, And I am going (laughs) to VCR it and try and
1: uh, watch
2: as much as I can before I fall asleep. You actually
1: have a VCR? Uh,
2: yeah. Kidding? Good point. Good point. We can, we are. Going <laughs> what to is whatever. this?
1: 1994?
0: <laughs> He's Tony Gwynn. He's traveling Tony with his VCR.
2: That magic machine now that we have, that's even more simple than a VCR and, um, and tape it. So, you know, the, my point about basketball, so it's not just about NBA, but it's about what's become common in all basketball is there's this, you know, analytics have really come into play in basketball, just as they have in baseball. Um, and to me, it's sometimes silly because basketball is a very different sport than baseball, um, where usually it's a pitcher facing a batter, and there's repetitive events, and there's really much, not much wiggle room into what you can do, uh, the other players, and how they can affect you, and stuff like that. But it's become this big thing in basketball to talk about how the worst shot in basketball is uh, a mid-range shot or a shot that's not a three and not a layup or a dunk. And people have said, like, oh, yeah, like these really good teams, they shoot all these threes, they shoot all these layups and dunks, and why doesn't every team do that? And it's just preposterous because the reason why is because you don't get to choose. It's not horse. You don't get to choose the shot you take. There, there's a defense out there, and that defense is trying to prevent you from having easy, wide-open threes and layups and dunks. And and so... A lot of coaches now are really trying to get away from shooting twos and and de-emphasizing it and saying, oh, that's a bad shot, you know, because it was a a mid-range jumper or two. But to me, the whole key to basketball, therefore, has become, can you execute that play? Because my man-to-man defensive philosophy is based totally or almost solely on that, which is just, we're not gonna let them get up on the three-point line and make shots. You know, we're gonna get drive them off the three-point line and we're gonna take away the inside baskets by fronting the post and not allowing easy entrance and helping on any drivers and committing to that. And and we know what we're gonna give up. We're gonna we're we're vulnerable to mid-range shots and drives, but uh I don't think players practice them, maybe because coaches are de-emphasizing them. And so players are really bad at stopping and shooting. They're really bad at, at driving under control. And one of the biggest things I do when I coach is I try and get kids to stop leaving their feet as soon as they entered anywhere near the three-point line. And 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 there and when you do that, of course, you limit what you can do. You can't really pass. You can only pass whether one second you're in the air, or fire up an off balance shot. And instead, I say, okay, well if someone co- defends me, well, we're going to work really hard on stopping and shooting this crazy thing called the pull-up jumper. And I was actually glad I did watch game five. We did not have a podcast. But when I was watching game five, the, the game really, um, of the series, the game really revolved around mid-range jumpers. I mean, Booker and Middleton, Booker from the Suns and Middleton from the Bucks, that they scored like 40 points each. And it was also it was almost solely, and they're great three-point shooters, but because they're being pushed off that line, they're pulling up and hitting classic mid-range jumpers. And the game really came down to who's better at that, who's going to do more drives under control. And that's what they're giving a lot up a lot with the pick-and-roll coverage. Is they're they're saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna really guard the ball so you can't come off in and shoot right away, but then we're gonna retreat back to the roll so you're not going to get an easy, you know, layup or dunk. There and we'll see if you can make the bin range jumper, um, and it's become a, a beautiful thing, I think. As again, defenses rely on trying to make you make tough twos. Now here's the problem: these NBA haters probably have no thoughts on that subject. So I'll open it up to maybe other lost arts. To uh, any, of course, uh, <laughs> you have because and you don't you don't have to talk about the NBA to talk about this this subject. But um, I, have really
1: I have thoughts oh, on nice. what, 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 you know, that there are worse shots. I, I totally agree with you. I will, I'll go back, to, since I have, have some connection, of when, I've gone to a lot of uh, Harlem Globetrotters games, and I'll tell you, <laughs> there are way worse shots than a mid-range jumper ha- happening in Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> games all the time. The Meadowlark Lemon hook from half court is worse than a mid-range jump shot.
2: <laughs> he made the, a pretty good percentage.
1: bent ben, ben over... Pulling down a guy, your opponent's shorts, and then shooting, shooting underneath through your legs, underneath backwards from from the foul line, is a worse <laughs> shot than uh, than the mid-range jumper <laughs> for sure. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I've always thought that that the worst shot you can take, you know, that's a, actually a reasonable shot, is uh, you know, if you have a 19-foot three-point arc, the 18-foot 11 11. 11-inch jumper is the worst shot, I, I think. I mean, I, I, analytics may or may not back me up on that, but uh, but it just, just seems to make logical sense that why would you ever want to take the hardest possible shot that you can take that is only worth two points uh, versus, you know, you know any, three, any reasonable three-point shot or any much closer two-point shot. So I'll, I'll throw that out throw that out as logic and the rest of it i just defer to you as a basketball
0: coach i am wondering if if kimball isn't uh, campaigning to be the new charlie rosen this feels like charlie didn't charlie rosen uh, make a lot of it, the thinking man's basketball coach author uh frequent radio guest you know who i'm talking about I'm have to you on that kind one. of a we know about charlie rose i charlie I rosen know not charlie rose I
2: know. I know. we don't want to we're offend we're, anyone here but
0: works of charlie charlie Rozen. rosen look him look him up charlie rosen it's just a hey, brilliant guy Tim, never have you heard of yeah, charlie rosen Tim? just a just, a just a total I am, hoops I know. I hoops heard. nomad uh a, a lot of cba uh life in a cba kind of guy <laughs> coached in the cba i don't maybe kimball's campaigning for that with all this technical talk um you know what? I wonder. We've got analytics for everything, and I don't. I don't chart at all. I don't. I don't. I don't seek it out for basketball. But I respect what analytics have done for basketball um, and and any sport. But do they chart open shots? And obviously, that's there's a bit of an interpretation. That, you know, in the eye of the beholder is that shot open? Uh, to me, a good shot is an open shot. And that's the whole point of ball movement, to get an open shot. And if it's a three, it's an open three, wonderful, if, if you can make the three. But I could make the case that, as Kimball was kind of mentioning, people don't really shoot well on the move. The floater isn't really a thing anymore. The, the you know, and, and you don't want to get into traffic to shoot because, again, if you're in the paint and you're ta- taking a contested two, even if you're six feet away, uh, how is that ever a better shot than even – the the shot where your toe's on the line of the three point line if you're wide open. So I I just I don't know is that is that out there is that metric there oh, they, the teams ch- the, the teams that uh, what is like uh, the teams that generate the most open shots. I would assume those teams whether they have amazing shooters or not. Uh, if you can have the ball movement and the discipline to wait for the open shot, you're going to have a pretty good offense.
2: Well, there's there's they analyze everything in basketball now and and again you know especially in baseball, I love analytics, but the problem in basketball is there's so much bias. You know, the f- easiest thing you could do is, in baseball, the leading home run hitter, you know, there's only so much you can do to pump up his stats, right? You might lead him off. But in basketball, I've always said, I can tell you who the leading scorer is on my team. I can make it happen if I want, because we'll run every play for Johnny, yeah. and Johnny will take 74 shots, and no one else will take any, and Johnny will be our leading scorer. And that's, that's an exaggerated example, but in basketball, there's tons of smaller examples. There's lots of players that have never have a play run for them or, you know, classically, the, the leading shooter is often, you know, from the field is a guy that never shoots from more than five feet away and never takes a tough shot and, you know, just has enough shots to qualify. So basketball analytics, you know, you really have to be careful uh, what you're looking at. And, and I think they can be so skewed by a lot of soft factors. Again, I, I always like to make the point that, you know, how a guy shoots depends so much on the pass he gets. And you can take a good shooter and you throw the ball to his ankles and he catches it and he's going to miss a lot more than when you throw it to a shooting pocket. And, and it can really, you know, make a difference. And it's just one of those soft factors that makes analytics and basketball really, really hard.
0: That's a great point. I, I'm sure you as a, as, a, as an astute coach, an experienced coach, must have your own players practice feeding uh, in, you know, maybe even in traffic to the open man. I mean, you think of most shooting drills; it's an assistant coach doing the passing one way or the other. But I, don't, I mean, that's you need to, the thing you need to really practice is how to hit people, you know, on the move uh, and you know, chest level where they're ready to shoot, whether it's actually a useful pass. Um, the art of passing—that's something that's. Uh, has certainly been overlooked and perhaps overemphasized now in the last ten minutes. So, um, <laughs> all right. Well, Where we're two get to this, next point. <laughs> we're two I thirds started, of the way. I, what do we I just got? did
1: my dishes the last five minutes. What? 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 What are we? What are I just what are think we I
0: just think the boys need to work on their passing. So, we're doing a. Three-point range again, and uh, this is Mike Berardino, uh, joined as always by Kimball Crosley and Tim Crothers. We thank you for tuning in and finding us uh, out there in podcast world. We start off at anchor.fm. You can find us at Spotify and Stitcher and Google, and we have a three-point range Facebook page that we invite you to like, and we have a three-point range Substack, stack uh, which we invite you to subscribe to, and you can get it right to your email inbox. So thanks for finding us. Uh, point number three, the final point, uh, This there was a, a, a great deal of uh, uh, consternation and then ultimately resolution this week about a word uh, choice in a Bruce Springsteen song, The Great Thunder Road. Uh, all these years, you may have sung along saying, uh, The Screen Door Slams Mary's Dress Waves. But it turns out Springsteen himself had to release a statement that it was actually "Sways," S-W-A-Y-S, after all that, um, one of the greatest rock songs of all time. And uh, all these years later, New York Times was involved in this and, and, uh, and they got to the bottom of it. What I want to see is an investigation or a statement or maybe an apology from the boss who uh, we're talking now. Uh, almost four decades ago born in the USA album one of the big hits off of that glory days with the, the video is all based around baseball Bruce is out there pitching there's a uh, not very well but pitching and, and there's a line in there where he refers to uh, the, one of the people living in their glory days he could throw that speed ball by you and, and I wondered as a teenager what the heck he was talking about and I have always wondered because subsequently, you know, I've learned that speedball, I've not done this, but speedball is a drug term <laughs> and uh, it's a pretty good way to mess yourself up. Uh, and uh, uh, and I also was just wondering if anyone has ever, besides Bruce Springsteen, ever called a fastball, which is clearly what he was referring to, a speedball. So I, I went to the Urban Thesaurus and I was I was knocked sideways uh, once more because according to urban thesaurus which is googleable Google Googleable uh, they uh, have an algorithm that says the top five slang words for fastball include and maybe Kimball can weigh in on this for this baseball expertise include heater I'll sign off on that of course ched short for cheddar that's fair high cheese I don't think it necessarily needs to be high but cheese if you hear that. Um, Brad, Brad Lidge, Brad Lidge came up. The algorithm says oh, the Brad Lidge alone, just the, the former relief pitcher, Notre Dame man. Uh, that's a synonym for fastball slang for fa- I've never heard that in my life. I don't, I will not <laughs> accept that. And then what is this? Urban thesaurus says that something called a fart, fart fastball is another term for a fastball. This urban thesaurus, if whatever, if that's even a real thing, this should be ashamed of itself, and its algorithm should be fired. But Springsteen owes us all an explanation. It's been nearly four decades. If he's going to clean up this whole debate on, on what happened on the on the screen, you know, on the porch with Mary and the dress, uh, I need to know what why speedball. Um, what is uh, uh, something perhaps in pop culture that we can loosely tie to sports that has been bothering you? for nearly four decades, and I'll put you both on the spot.
2: Well, first of all, we're pretty sure S- Springsteen listens to this podcast, so well, I would expect, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> expect a an big answer. Fan. Big fan. Expect oh, an answer. If not I, I gotta, Obama. If you're going to put us on the spot with that question, I need some time to think. Let me think. But, Tim, you got anything?
0: Generally, when pop culture gets involved with sports, it screws it up. Yet. It screws no, it up.
1: I, I. I. Before the podcast, a little inside baseball here before the podcast started I uh, I asked Mike what this point really had to do with sports and he promised me that he would explain it to us during the during the lead into his point and and thank God he did because now my question is what does this have to do with sports <laughs> come on well,
2: come well, on so I will say' it's, it is interesting that the words uh, for a fastball and you know the first three maybe, or definitely, probably, but the uh, last two,
0: no. That's uh, and Brad, even even Brad Lidge, you know, I think, of the slider.
2: Even Shed, as opposed to cheese. Yeah. You know, Come I on. guess. But yeah, that's and I would I would have thought I would put speedball up there ahead of um, what certainly ahead of those last. There's two. Who's never speedball. heard that? No, I never I mean, heard that. I mean, yeah, no, I think that's a fair, a fair term. Whoa. I, mean, I, I don't think he was. Really? When is the last content.
0: time you heard? So you're sitting out there. You're sitting out there behind home plate. Maybe Tim was with the other day and some grizzled old scout walks up and he mentions, you know, he, that it's a pretty good speedball.
2: Nobody <laughs> more, says that. More than he said it was a. Pretty good, Brad
0: Lidge or <laughs> Well, I would. I'm not endorsing that. Whatever that's ridiculous. That fifth thing was, that's ridiculous. Whatever your fifth one was? I just think uh, uh, you know. Here's maybe I'd expand it to this. You know, you have uh, anytime there's a film, not anytime, but many times there's a sports themed film. Uh, there is a former sports writer, often behind the scenes uh, as a consultant, poorly paid consultant, maybe just to sign off just on word choices, just like that. And so maybe. Uh, anytime somebody in the music realm wants to get all sporty maybe that's what I should be offering right now is my if tim's going to be the clock management coach for all NFL coaches like a consulting firm I'm here to make sure you don't make a fool of yourself with something like speedball
2: i I don't think that i like that i always like that lyric um I heard it thousands, shocking, of times, thousands of times thousands of times i
1: music no, no i do Go ahead. I would Tim. like I would like Mike to to sing the lyric first with <laughs> fastball and and then yeah. second with speedball yeah. and tell me which one sounds better.
0: Yeah, let's do Go a little test. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I'm not going to sing it, but you
2: can't bring up a musical topic and not sing. Yeah, he you he got to
0: be prepared I'll to just, sing. I just I just say it's the same number of syllables. He could so, throw that fastball by you is no worse than he could throw that speedball by you. And I drop. dropped, it's, it's, it's a wish.
2: memorable line. fastball
1: sing it, You would know, you would know.
0: How about heater? How about yeah. heater? He could throw that heater by I you.
2: Know. It, it feels like, it feels like from another era, which, you know, Hey, Springsteen is, I mean, you know, that song is really old, Mike. I know that. <laughs> and, um, and it's from my year. high school days. I don't even know they were saying Ched and Cheddar and, you know, stuff like he that. He can it's the Brad Lynch by you.
1: This is, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's this a good line. Art. We have talked about this in the past that we have to, we have to defer to art. Uh, I mean, is there any better example than, than your freaking uh, field Go kicking donkey? I mean, you know, sometimes we <laughs> have to, Gus we is his to, name. We, Right, Gus. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't remember complaining about the fact that that Gus might have been a little bit, you know, not have really made total logical sense. Well, here we go. Here's another example of this. Well, I just say we uh, we accept it because it's art.
0: I'll just, can I (laughs) expand on this? Uh, Springsteen ends that video by having a brief exchange with a young boy there who, uh, who watched him throwing pitch after pitch to nobody. He was just throwing it to. a... Bored, I believe, and he was imagining what he used to be. And in the kid asked him something like, "How did, did you get him, or whatever?" And he said, "Do you remember what he said?" And his the kicker line in the video was, "Nettles got me bottom of the ninth." So it was important enough to Springsteen to mention Greg Nettles and a real player, and uh, you know, not to from uh, active player at the time, and. You know, it just rang. You know, this really guy really cared about baseball, and he's out there still in his in his thirties at the time, and all dusty and American-y and everything. And you know, speedball
2: just works, baby. Speedball works. Speedball Tim, do you work. like speedball, don't you? Doesn't work. Absolutely
1: love yeah. speedball. Wouldn't change it.
2: Right, Wouldn't and you're gonna it. next time, Mike. You're gonna talk about like bad out of hell and say like. How long did it take Mickey Rivers to round those bases? Bill Rizzuto's
1: voice 40
0: was forty seconds. Perfect. That was ridiculous. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good one. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good yeah, point because a- he was Mick the Quick, and he and his time around the bases would have been. I'm going to put a stopwatch on it. <laughs> and you've raised. I'm going to make a note here. We're going to get to the bottom of that. Yes. <laughs> uh, but you know, I just think that authenticity is so important. And yes, Tim is right uh, when it comes to kicking mules. Sometimes we'll move the line and we do want the children to be happy. And, uh, you know, you have to suspend your disbelief. Occasionally you have to suspend your disbelief. But when it comes to sports, it annoys me as a person who would like to think he knows all the proper terms uh, when people out there, and especially annoys me when Spruce Springsteen, who means a great deal to me, and it's great to have him as a listener of the show, um, when he screws up. You know it it just it really stings and so that one's been with me for almost 40 years and it should have been caught it should have been edited and you guys are so wrong you're just so wrong and uh, i'm i'm really ashamed uh, to be on this podcast with you now more than ever so uh <laughs> okay that's i guess uh you know this is perfect fodder for you listeners to leave your comments and we'll even spur you along and we're going to tag springsteen in this when we put this on twitter because we need it we need a ruling on this we need an apology and um you know apparently kimball and tim don't but i do and um, i'm just coming right out with it
1: all right we need a rule from now on if you bring up a musical topic you have to sing that's, Come on, There's a rule. I that. can't sing. Play us sing. out, play us I out can't sing, sing us
0: out. I can't sing. He can uh, that speedball
2: by <laughs> you and make you feel like a fool. That's, a, that's right. Every Patucket Red Sox game I went to for 10 years I heard that song a couple and times. And not a
0: single time did a scout turn to you and say, no. speedball? What is Love that? Love it. Love that phrase! Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I see. I was a heck of a topic. I'm. I'm really glad I brought that up. So you've been listening to <laughs> Three Point Range, where we run far afield and we have no idea what comes next, and neither do you. So thanks for listening. For Tim Cruthers, for Kimball Crosley, for Bruce Springsteen. This is Mike Berardino saying we'll see you next time.
1: Tramps like us.